today's reading is from uh, James chapter 4, verses 6 to, um, 6 to 12. James 4, 6 to 12. God gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to serve and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Amen. Thanks be to God. Good morning again. Question for you this morning, how are you with mirrors? <laughs> Quick confession, I forgot to bring the mirror I was going to bring from home this morning, so uh, I did just unscrew this from the toilet. <laughs> I promise, Bishop, that I will screw it back before I go home today. But if you popped in there to have a quick check-up on how you were looking, this, this is where you need to come. So I don't know, are you the sort of person who dwells on a mirror, who looks away when you're going past a mirror? Do you love what you see? Do you hate what you see? I'm going to leave it there. Sorry about that, who are in view of this mirror. See whether it will balance there without falling over and causing a fire. You're, you're on fire duty, Graham, okay? I'm going to talk a little bit about mirrors this morning and about how when we look in the right mirror in the right way, we might find ourselves growing uh, along or going along the pathway to humility. Uh, and that's the wisdom brought to us in James today. We've been looking at various wisdoms from James. Today is the wisdom of humility. We just heard in that reading from, from Hudson, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And Thomas Merton said, it is almost impossible to overestimate the value of true humility. It's one of those key Christian characteristics that uh, uh, God loves to develop in our lives and we love to see being developed in our lives. So how do we get to mirrors from here? Well, the other theme that we've been hanging on to through this James series is that wisdom is the ability to see things as they really are. Wisdom is the ability to see things as they really are. And we've applied that uh, to trials and tribulations. We've applied that uh, to favoritism and how we view other people. We've applied that to the use of our tongue and the words that we use. And today we're seeing that humility too is about seeing things as they really are but we need to look in the right mirror. My favourite short definition of humility is this one. I've got my favourite long definition further on. My favourite short definition of humility is this one. True humility 
is viewing ourselves as we really are from God's perspective and acting accordingly. True humility is viewing ourselves as we really are from God's perspective and acting accordingly. Just before we go on, let me introduce you to a character called Lily uh, from a book, from this book by uh, Paul Young, uh, writer, more famous for writing The Shack, but this is his book Eve, um, which features a character called Lily. She's a young woman, probably a, a victim of human trafficking, who at the start of the book is found washed up on a beach, dirty, wounded, broken, barely alive. And in her story, a sage gives Lily the gift of a magical mirror. When she first looks into it, she can only see a grey cloud. But it's explained that if she looks again whilst holding on to the ruby in the handle, this magic mirror will reveal the truth of who she is. But she's warned, this is not a painless process. You will see the truth, the sage says, which can be difficult and troubling. But you will only fulfil your destiny if you commit wholeheartedly to believing what you see. There's a warning and there's a, an invitation to fulfilling destiny too. How would you be if someone placed such a mirror in your hands with a little ruby jewel in the handle? Would you be leaping to press the jewel and have a look straight away, desiring to see the truth of who you really are? Or would you be thinking, eh, I'd like to know, but I don't know whether I want to know? <laughs> would you do what Lily did, which was to pop the mirror in a drawer for when the time was right, so that she could build up her courage first? And we need that courage because we spend so much of our time actually looking in uh, distorted mirrors. You know, like those mirrors in fun fairs and uh, places where you can go and have a good laugh. It's fine if you can go and just have a good laugh, but we actually spend a lot of our time looking at ourselves in distorted mirrors without realising that that's what we're doing. The great fear is that we, like Lily, would have to gaze into the mirror of truth, is that we would see something like this list of things, from image to a list. Things like, I'm not good enough, I'm unacceptable, I'm unworthy, I'm bad, I'm unloved, I'm inadequate, I'm too fat, thin, old, young, stupid, whatever you would finish that sentence with yourself. It's not an all-embracing list. You can probably add the things you see in your own distorted mirrors. These false images are the distorted reflections we see as a result of what has happened to us up until now on our journey. The things that have been said to us and the things that have not been said to us. The experiences we've had, the tragedies that have befallen us, the mistakes that we've made, 
All this persuades us to define ourselves in false and negative terms like these, and then to fear that that is what we really look like, or that is what other people see when they look at us. I don't know which of those you would most closely identify with on your worst day, perhaps on many days. Do you know where that came from in your journey? Do you need to do something about that? And seeing ourselves, trying, trying to discover what it means to see ourselves as we really are, gets further complicated at this point by our use of masks. Because we don't like, because we fear what we will see in the mirror when we look in the mirror, in the distorted mirror, we hide behind masks. Instead of running to our true reflection, we develop personas, which actually is Greek for mask. We develop personas which are not true to ourselves, but rather uh, a tool with which we hide those feared false images. Here are some of the masks we might put on to avoid looking too hard in the distorted mirror. See where you feel along this list. Things like, I am busy, I'm funny, I'm good, I'm perfect. I'm helpful, I'm clever, I'm naughty, I'm distant or protected, I'm fit, youthful, attractive, sociable, successful, etc. Again, you might recognize yourself somewhere in those lists. I do. I've played a couple of those at least. Uh, in my time. I've certainly done the I'm busy one. It's a good way of avoiding looking in the mirror. Uh, for a while I did the I'm clever one, uh, not necessarily because I thought I was that clever, but because I did notice as I was young that if you got good marks uh, in school, uh, you got affirmation. Uh, and so that was a good way uh, of uh, avoiding looking in the mirror just being the clever one who got good marks and someone patted him on the back. I've certainly done the I'm helpful one. It's a good way of making other people think that you're something other than you are. I wonder which ones you relate to on that list. The danger with these masks is that when we wear them all the time, it's harder and harder to see what our true reflection is. And actually, the longer we wear them for, it's harder and harder to remove them. Mark Oakley, uh, canon at St. Paul's in London, says of masks, if they're worn too long, they eat into the face so that you lose track where one begins and the other ends. Living somewhere between these distorted reflections of who we fear we are and hiding behind the masks of who we pretend to be not only makes life difficult and complicated, it makes humility practically impossible, especially if humility is about seeing ourselves as we really are. Humility is not about defining ourselves as terrible people. You know, have you ever heard those people who say, oh, I'm, I'm terrible at that, or I'm hopeless at the other, or if someone does something really well and you try and praise them for it. They just kind of push the praise back again. That's actually false humility. 
not true humility. It's actually quite self-centered, not God-centered, although that might be an uncomfortable thing to hear. If we're to move on from these false images and onto the path of humility, we need to take an enormous risk. We need to take a good look in a real mirror. And this is indeed risky because there will be some genuinely uncomfortable things to see in the mirror. And I'm not talking here about bags under the eyes and wrinkles on the forehead, hairs that are graying or disappearing fast. Eventually, our heroine, Lily, in the story, does pluck up the courage to look in her magic mirror, this time holding on to the ruby of truth on the handle. And I remember reading this and hoping with her that she would see something of her beauty and her real worth. And my heart sank with hers because she sees herself in the mirror of truth, in the mirror of reality, in all her brokenness and shame, she sees her broken body. She's reminded by every mark upon her of the, the story of abuse and shame that she's come through. It's a painful but growing moment in her story. She is devastated and she quickly looks away again, puts the mirror back in the drawer, which is what we can be tempted to do. But to do so is a mistake. We want, to, we want to jump, like I did with Lily and like Lily did herself, we want to jump to the good end, to the story. But this, I think, is a necessary step along the way. If humility is about seeing ourselves as we really are, this is a step on the journey we must take. We need to look in the reality mirror, see ourselves as we are, neither distorted into something completely false, nor masked into something hidden and often and this is certainly my story it's a time of trial or difficulty that draws us draws out of us the courage or the desperation because those two are often quite close together to do this brennan manning says be careful if you pray for humility humility is often learned through humiliation but when we dare to do this these are the sort of things we see in the reality mirror. I am weak. I am broken. I am fragile. I have failed. I have fallen. I have sinned. Weakness is the discovery that we cannot do what we long to do and often find ourselves doing what we do not want to do. And because that's everyone's reality, let me know afterwards if it's not, and we'll tell you <laughs> where you haven't seen the truth. Because that's everyone's reality, we experience brokenness, the damage which is a consequence of our own and others' weakness. And broken people are fragile, and so it's natural that we find failure in our lives because weak, broken, and fragile people make mistakes and react inappropriately might just be describing your morning so far. 
Yes, to look in this mirror is uncomfortable, especially in a world which demands an Instagram-filtered perfection. I discovered the setting on my phone camera the other week that says, larger eyes and thinner face. <laughs> I didn't even know that was on my phone. But that's the world in which we're living. We had Rich's talk on the digital age a couple of weeks ago, which if you haven't heard, you need to. We're living in a world which demands an Instagram-filtered perfection, but we actually look in the mirror and this is the truth of who we are. But this is not the same as looking in that distorted mirror. We may be, attempt we may be tempted to avoid looking, but we can't and we shouldn't because it's real and because there is no need. I am all of these things. So are you. And actually, the healing of our self-image and the possibility of moving towards humility comes when we hold together the truth of who we are in God with the reality of what we see when we look at ourselves honestly in the mirror. Without forgetting our reflection in the reality mirror, we need also to gaze into what I'm calling the truth mirror to distinguish it from the reality mirror. You might also think about it as looking uh, in the reality mirror through the, the filter of God's truth. Our recent course on identity that we had just before Christmas was like a mirror into which we looked to see our true identity as found in the Bible. Here are some of the things that we saw in that mirror. If you want to go back and listen to the talks, they're still there on the website. I am a child of God. I am free. I am known. I am called, I am created, I am empowered, I am forgiven, I am accepted. Should we say those together? If you can read the screen, say these with me. I am a child of God, I am free, I am known, I am called, I am created, I am empowered, I am forgiven, I am accepted. I wonder which of those you most need to hear in your heart today. They're all true. They're all the truth about you as you are before God in Jesus. But there might be one that you, you want to hold on to more tightly this morning. You see, the people who are loved children of God and free and known and called and created and empowered and forgiven are those people who are at the same time weak and broken and fragile and failed and fallen. That's what it means to be accepted by God. This is what grace is. Joseph Cook says, grace is the face love wears when it meets our imperfection. I love that. You don't have to hide from the reality mirror. You just need to gaze into the truth mirror and discover the grace which is the face that love wears when it meets our imperfection. When we look in the mirror of reality through the lens of who we are in Jesus, this is what we see. We are totally precious and loved, and we are totally broken and messed up. Is this what Paul was on about when he talked about the treasure of Jesus within fragile, breakable jars of clay? 
This is, this is actually this is a bit for Owen to get a little bit um, proud here, because I'm going to sandwich an Owen Gallagher quote between an Apostle Paul quote and a John of the Cross quote. <laughs> so Paul talked about us being treasure in clay jars. Owen, uh, when we were preaching on identity, said, God sees the reality of who we are, but speaks a better word over our existence. John of the Cross writes, God sustains every soul and dwells in it, even though it may be that of the greatest sinner in the world. And I think I couldn't help with this talk of mirrors to go back to what Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 about mirrors. For now we see only a reflection in a mirror. And remember, their mirrors back then were not good mirrors. They were, you know, they hadn't worked out how to get a really good reflection yet. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known fully. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Daring to look in the mirror of reality through the filter of God's truth means we can be transparently real about who we are. We can be free to leave behind the falsehood of how we fear others see us and how we have sometimes seen ourselves. We can risk removing the masks behind which we thought we were safely hiding. And we can move towards the humility of seeing and being seen as we really are. Which means you can breathe a sigh of relief to start with. This is what vulnerability means. Vulnerability is about the choice to let our reality show and not hide any longer. We dare to look in the mirror each morning and say, I'm weak and broken and fragile and fail, but I'm still me and I'm still loved. And something beautiful happens when we risk making this choice. The negative cycle of destruction which can surround these words is broken and new roads are opened up, new connections made, new possibilities emerge. Brené Brown says, Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, the choice to let our true selves be seen. And the humble people you know will be those people who allow their true selves to be seen. That's why James says that humility comes as we submit to God, bow down before him and allow him to lift us up. We submit both to the reality of who we are before God, but also the truth of who we are in God. Not only will this be transformative for our relationship with ourselves and with God, but also our relationships with one another. Here's my other favourite description of humility. This is a bit long, but I, there weren't any bits I wanted to miss out. It's from John Gunston, and he said this, a humble person, again, maybe just take in the word or phrase from this that, that makes you say, that's, that's where I want to be. That's the journey I want to go on. Don't maybe take it all in at this point. You can probably make it available 
with the slides on the website. A humble person does not esteem or praise himself. It is all in the mail. It was written quite a long time ago. So apply this to who you are. Humble person does not esteem or praise himself. He has no self-complacency. He knows his true worth. His head is not turned when others admire him, for he knows his gifts and abilities come only from God. He is honest through and through. He does not talk about himself to his own advantage. He has no sense of superiority. He does not despise those who seem to be less able than he is. When others are critical of him or sarcastic, he does not react or become resentful. When they neglect him or humiliate him, he rejects all ideas of revenge. Rather, he is thankful that through such experiences he can draw closer to his Lord, who was also rejected by men. He learns how to forgive. He forgets himself for the love of God, and already he has begun to taste the joys of eternal life. Something about being as comfortable with praise as with criticism that is about the freedom of uh, growing in humility. So, transforming our relationships with one another as we take on more and more of this uh, characteristic of knowing who we really are and that being okay. James, after talking about humility, immediately warns the church about slandering one another. And those things are connected because the main reason we talk each other down is because we need to feel better about ourselves and we often do that by putting others down. But if I'm loved in my brokenness, competition and comparison are redundant. How amazing is that? If you don't have to spend your Sunday looking around the church feeling either inferior or superior to anyone else around you. You don't have to observe social media feeds and feel threatened by the life and growth of others or pride at the lack of that either. And then you can grow in humble acceptance of the broken people around us too, the fellow broken people around us, the people who annoy you, the people who have hurt you, even people in the room today who come under that category because of the reality of who they are, just like you have done to others because of the reality of who you are. God knows of what we are made. Psalm 103, which interestingly James also refers to in the first chapter. God knows of what we are made. He loves us, forgives us, calls us, empowers us anyway. And the knowledge of this enables us to begin to do the same as God moves us from who we already are to who uh, he would love to have us be. And in the end, the only way to grow in all this is to grow in our experience of being loved by God. Moving from the distorted mirror we fear, leaving behind the masks behind which we hide, and knowing what we see in the mirror of reality, we gaze long and deeply into the mirror of truth of who we are in God. Find ways to do that and schedule them in to your life. Most of you know that for me this happens when I find time and stillness 
to sit in the presence of God and dare to believe in his love for me right there. And I need to do that very often. Draw on the teaching of our discipleship series. Come to the quiet day which is rapidly filling up and gaze on the grace which is the love God shows as he meets our imperfection. That's what happens for Lily towards the end of her story. She sees another reflection of herself, this time not in a mirror, but in a face-to-face encounter with God. Here, she sees herself as she truly is. And I'd like, you to, I'd like to read to you uh, just a, a short part of that encounter as we draw to a close now, because this is the, the gaze of love into which I invite you. She awakes in her dream world to find herself being held. And then we go on to read. They were not soft branches that held her, but the strong and tender arms of Adonai. Taking a deep breath, Lily slowly opened her eyes. At another place and time, she would have denied his presence, but here and now, it felt as if nothing else had ever been as real. She was done with all her running, had fallen and hit the ground, then finally found a place on which to rest. So she did what any child would do, Turning, she buried her face into his chest, sobbing, tears cascading as he wrapped his peace and love around her. She had been waiting her entire life for this. She was knowing and being known beyond understanding, grasping the deepest mysteries. There was nothing she wanted other than to be completely found inside this eternal man, to be heard, to be seen, to be celebrated. Lily, it is you I love, came the voice like healing waters. The words themselves were living and dismantling. This was sufficient. And in this firm and everlasting embrace, all that had ever been broken or stolen could be found, restored, and celebrated. The hug squeezed a bit tighter, and Adonai spoke. Lily, you have always been worthy of being loved, and I have always loved you. That has always been true. You just didn't know it before. If there was anything deeper to undo, any lies, or accusations that were closer to the bedrock of her self-awareness, she couldn't have imagined it. She let the waves engulf her and sweep her back together, the fiery flame of his affection disintegrating everything that was not love. For a moment, it felt as if nothing would remain, but that thought itself ignited and burned away, and she no longer cared because in this single moment, she trusted that she was loved. Shall we stand together?
just want you in this moment to um, imagine yourself in those arms, looking in the mirror, which is actually the face of God in his love for you. Grace is the face that love wears when it meets our imperfections. Risk staring, gazing into the love that gazes at you. And whether you knew it before or not, whether you hear those other voices that distort and lie, whether you've hidden behind a mask for so long you don't know where the mask ends and yourself begins. Choose instead to gaze at truth and to be gazed at by love and receive what God wants to give to you right now.